Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Come over here, youngster. Sit on my lap. I'll tell you a story, and it'll be way better than listening to this show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax. The smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you for another fun-filled hour of uh, pipe smoking, pipe talk, and all that other stuff. And uh, what are we going to do in this hour? Well, in tonight's uh, in Pipe Parts, you know, I'm going to give you a rundown of what's going on at the Chicago Pipe Show. And uh, I figured I'd do it for two reasons. One... A lot of you are getting there now, and uh, two, if you if you are not going well, I want to let you know what you're missing out on. So there you go. You get a rundown of the Chicago Pipe Show, and then my guest is a fellow uh, Charlotte area native and uh, pipe smoker and doctor of pipes, Gib Robinson. Uh, I had a lot of fun hearing Gib's stories, and if uh, <laughs> if you ever run into Gib, Gib can tell a story. Uh, and then we'll have uh, music mailbag and uh, rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And a couple of housekeeping things. Remember, uh, please, iTunes ratings or reviews, we would absolutely love those. If you get a chance, go on to iTunes and leave us a rating or review. Uh, if you're in a different country, leave us a rating or review there. And then if you can, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com with that rating and I'll read it on the show. Because uh, I can't see them. Uh, yeah, I can't see them from a foreign country. But uh, that'd be great. Keep sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you are. And uh, tell all your friends and enemies about it. And then finally, before we get the show rolling, a big thank you to everyone. A big thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone. The uh, JDRF auctions that uh, Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, ran for us. We raised a little bit over $2,050. That's $2,050. Thank you to all, including uh, Peter Field, who donated that, uh, that incredible Dunhill, uh, uh, Dunhill Reamer set that sold for, oh, just over $400. Uh, Nate Rose and his uh, commission pipe. Uh, I mean, There's just, just so much stuff in the tobacco. Boy, I'll tell you, that tobacco on uh, the Pipe Stud site, pipestud.com, it just flew off the shelves on Saturday morning. It, I mean, it was literally, I think it was gone in like 35, 40 minutes. And thank you to all of you who bought. Thank you to all of you who donated. And thank you again to Steve Fallon for his time, effort, and paying the eBay fees and the PayPal fees and all the shipping and everything. So... Big thank you to everyone. Another successful year. And I will stop asking you for money unless you want to do some uh, travel. Because I've got a lot of people that are uh, putting in their final payments this week. Uh, cruises. Yes, you can still go to Disney World if you don't mind the fact that you can't smoke inside the parks. Uh, but contact me. Uh, Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com. If you're thinking of going on any kind of a trip anywhere, reach out to me. Let me know first, and I'll uh, I'll tell you if I can help you, and if I can save you time and money. And if I can't, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you where to go to do that. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go.
this is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, uh, the Chicago Pipe Show. And again, I, I want to go through this. For those of you that are descending on uh, St. Charles, Illinois right now or planning to get there or uh, in, uh, some ca- in, in uh, certain cases of some Australians already there, uh, you know, it, or, if you're, or if you're not going and you want to go next year, well, I want to give you a kind of a rundown of what a Chicago Pipe Show weekend or week looks like. Uh, first of all, starting on Wednesday, May 1st, the, uh, pipe, uh, the pipe making seminar, which is a two-day event, requires you to pre-register, is highly popular, and uh, a bunch of really well-qualified pipe makers actually take you through the process of making your own pipe from start to finish. I mean, they bring all the machinery, set it up. It's two days long and uh, usually sells out really quick. So if you were planning on doing that, boy, you better book that quickly. Uh, The uh, show tent or the smoking tent is due to open Wednesday at noon or as soon as the fire marshal signs off on it. So that's the key. The uh, fire marshal has to sign off on it before it can be occupied. And then on uh, Thursday, day two of the uh, of the pipe smoking uh, of the pipe making seminar, and then Thursday, May second at ten a.m., my friend Perry Jensen of McBaron is doing a uh, blending seminar in the smoking tent, uh, similar to the one I did a couple of years ago, but probably better because he knows more about tobacco and was born in a pipe factory. Uh, Friday, May third. The, uh, the, the smoke and swap, which is known as the pre-show sale, that opens at 8 a.m. And it says vendor line up at uh, 6 a.m. And then they're let in at 8 a.m. And then it's wide open. And again, that's where anybody that gets there in line and gets in line soon enough gets a half a table to share, you know, a half a table to share with somebody else. And you can walk around, smoke, and look at stuff. And then as, uh, it, it's even kind of fun because as... Uh, as the day wears on and some people that got a half a table leave, well, other people that got a half a table come in. So, you you know, even during the day, there's a turnover. Um, at 9 a.m. begins the Chicago Bowl, uh, the Pipe Smokers Award. This year it's for Virginia Flakes, and they'll be, for, they'll be Virginia Flake tobaccos that will be voted on as the winner, and those are submitted by each individual uh, tobacco company. Uh, from 9.30 to 4.30, the uh, the Chicago Pipe Club sponsors a champagne limousine to a premium outlet mall. And it just runs back and forth every half hour or so. Free. Absolutely free. Uh, tip the driver. Um, registration opens at noon. At uh, 3 p.m., the UPCA, the, uh, Univer- uh, the United Pipe Clubs of America, has their annual meeting at 3 p.m. in one of the rooms in the tower. At 4 p.m. in the Mega Center, which is uh, the the front end of where the show will be on Saturday and Sunday, 
Uh, Rich Esserman is doing a 1928 Dunhill catalog new printing presentation. So if you're interested in Dunhill stuff, boy, that'll be the, that'll be the thing to go to. Uh, 7 to 10 p.m., everybody that's registered gets a free welcome dinner buffet. And uh, 7.30 p.m., there's a presentation there. And then all the uh, all chaos breaks loose when all the presentations happen on Friday night. At 8.30, the, uh, 8.30 p.m. on Friday night, the International Sheraton Collector Society meets in uh, the Ruby Room in the Tower. At 8.30 p.m. for the ladies there, and I'm, I'm assuming they'd let guys in too. Uh, there's a uh, tobacco-related arts and crafts program in the Turquoise Room. At 9 o'clock, the making of the Peterson Pipe Book, the story of the Peterson Pipe Book, the story of Cap and Peterson. This will be followed by the showing of the vintage Sherlock Holmes movie House of Fear and a contest to name the pipes in the movie. That'll be in the Mega Center. Uh, at 9 o'clock for pipe repairmen, Tim West will be holding a forum in the Jade Room. And then also at 9 o'clock, Rob Cooper of Cooper Sark on eBay will give a talk on the state of the market of estate pipes and tobacco in the Sapphire Room. And Rob's always got insight and information that, uh, you know, he's only been doing this for 20-some-odd years. Uh, Saturday morning, May 4th. At 7 a.m., the exhibitor setup begins, and then at 10 a.m., the show opens. Uh, make sure if you want to get in there early, get down there around 9 o'clock or so, buy your ticket, get ready to get in. And uh, also at 10 a.m., there'll be uh, in the, I guess, the educational display this year is on Peterson Pipes. So there'll be a Peterson Historic display. Uh, the Chicago Bowl is continuing. And then from 11 a.m. to somewhere around 3 p.m., the silent auction. And remember, the silent auction is one of the ways that the show really covers a lot of the costs for doing this event, including the, uh, you know, like the buffet and all that. Yeah, they get some sponsorships from, from uh, vendors, but, you know, really it's the donations and then your bids that really help with that. Um, at noon, there's a private ladies' luncheon for exhibitors in the St. Charles Ballroom. And uh, at noontime on Saturday is about when you'll see me showing up, hopefully, if all my flight, if my flight goes okay. Uh, 7 o'clock Saturday night, the Chicago Feast Banquet. And if you want to go to that, you need to pre-register. It's about $46 to $50. That's where the new Doctor of Pipes is announced. And there's a couple other awards that are announced there. Always a good time. Um, nine o'clock on Saturday night, the doctors of pipes and the master of pipes have a meeting and I get to go to that Sunday, uh, exhibitor setup begins at 8 a.m. And then the show opens at 9 a.m. Show opens at 9 a.m. on Sunday. And then at 11 a.m. is the Chicago bowl and the awards for the Virginia flake at noon show awards presentation in the mega center. At 1 o'clock is the pipe smoking contest, and that is in the smoking tent. And then the show closes at 5, and usually, yeah, sometimes you'll see people that have to leave early, so they'll start packing up around noon or 3 or whatever. Uh, but it's a, I mean, it's a jam day. It's a jammed time. Uh, and then Monday morning, there's an 8 a.m. to noon post show in the little cafe area for anybody that, uh, you know, may have bought too much or still has stuff left over and wants to sell something. That's on Monday, May 6th. 
all that plus room hopping. So if you're there on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, check around for rooms that might be open and selling tobaccos, selling pipes, whatever. Check them out. All right, that is the rundown for the Chicago Pipe Show. And in just a minute, a, a good long conversation with my friend Gib Robinson. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining me from, uh, well, just across town, really, but uh, joining us is Gib Robinson. And Gib, I'm thinking I've, uh, you know, right after I moved to Charlotte is when I first met you, but you've been a, uh, a longtime pipe collector, a longtime figure in all of the pipe shows. And I know it's sad for you to say, but you're a fellow doctor of pipes with me. Um, you know, much older ordained doctor than I am. So uh, anyway, uh, Gib Robinson, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. And and I know you don't listen to the show because every time you see me, you ask me, now, how do I get to hear that program again? But um, <laughs> I've never listened to it. You're correct. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. So tell us where'd you where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be when you grew up? And when did you start smoking a pipe? Okay. Well, I was born and raised in a little town called Lancaster, South Carolina, about thirty miles south of Charlotte. I went to uh, college at a little college in uh, South Carolina called Erskine in due west South Carolina, and that's where I first uh, I was in a dorm with upperclassmen. And a good friend of mine who was a senior, well, actually he was a junior, smoked a pipe, and I decided I liked it. <laughs> and so when I was 18 years old, I, uh, freshman in college, I started smoking a pipe. My mother nor my father smoked at all. So this was new uh, territory for me. I was very, very, very fortunate that uh, this uh, upperclassman took me to a place that was uh, uh, where he bought his stuff, and it was a drugstore in Greenville, South Carolina, called Bruce and Dolster's. Wow. No longer there. Yeah. The two pharmacists were avid pipe smokers and had uh, a great stellar collection of pipes and tobacco. So when I first went in there and told them I was interested, they told me that uh, they would help me uh, learn more and more. They gave me a copy of uh, Weber's book about the art of pipe smoking and gave me a copy of the uh, of a Dunhill book on it. Uh, and I think they gave me something else, but I can't remember. But the first pipe I bought from him, 
was a Sheraton Relief yachtsman or skater, which I still have. <laughs> and uh, they set me up with that pipe, and they set me up with the first tobacco I ever had, whereby I was smoking uh, sail and M4 and such as that. They set me up with uh, three nuns. Oh, wow. Uh, it was the first pipe tobacco I had. And then I went back to them several times over the next year or so, two or three years, bought uh, a couple of more Sheratons from them, which is probably why I, I love the mark of Sheraton. And then I bought uh, a, a couple of uh, uh, Stanwells from them. And I finally saved up enough money to buy Dunhill from them. All these were new pipes because at that point in time, no one was really selling used pipes or, <laughs> state, or as we euphemistically call it, the state pipes. Yeah. Uh, and no one, was, no one was selling those, but I finally saved up enough money and bought myself a Dunhill Group 5 uh, billiard, which I still have also. Uh, it was a 1972 uh, vintage pipe. Uh, I went from uh, I went from three nuns to State Express. I went from also started smoking. Uh, uh, see, I also started started smoking some Gold Block and some other. So I always had. I was very fortunate. I was raised smoking good tobacco, and I was raised caring for my pipes quite quite nicely. In other words, they were one of these people that told me that. Uh, during the time of I'm smoking, I should be uh, routinely running a pipe cleaner through my pipe and so huh. forth, and which made me have a very good taste for it. I then left, uh, graduated risk and went to graduate school in mathematics at Clemson. I was at Clemson for about three years, and I stopped smoking. My ex-wife at that time didn't particularly care for me smoking pipes, so I stopped smoking. Uh, and uh, didn't smoke again until 1980 uh, when I moved to back up to Charlotte and was again very fortunate to stumble upon a uh, Edwards shop. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was 78. Uh, some of Edwards shop, which later became the McCraney's Pipe Store. So I was very fortunate to have a lot of people that were very uh, into uh, the two, the two pharmacists, and the Tom McCraney and McCraney's that were very much into pipes, and helped me a lot uh, through the years. So that's how I got into pipes. When did you develop your uh, passion for large pipes? Probably at the beginning, like I said, the first Dunhill I had was a group, was a group five, and even the skater, the yachtsman I had was a uh, extra large Sheraton. I think that, uh, as you know, I'm a uh, very large person anyway, <laughs> so I think smaller pipes just never, never uh, appealed to me. Yeah. So I will, most of what I have in my collection and what I have would be, what would be called a. Uh, a Dunhill Group 5 or bigger. Uh, I have several magnums in my collection, but uh, I don't have many things that are smaller than a Group 5. So in 1978, 1979, were there companies that were making and regularly selling magnum pipes through retailers, or were they kind of a special order? Well, they were more or less a special order. Uh, 
you could buy large pipes. Like I say, you could always get a group five or a group six or an ODA if you were doing Dunhill. Uh, I, in 1985, I bought my, I bought my first Ashton and it was yeah. a EX, a, 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 an LX, uh, or an ELX. It was an ELX was the first one I bought that. And I just had always gravitated to that. I also liked the English shapes that are very traditional shapes. Billiards, Dublin's, Dublin's is what I what I gravitate more to anything, and I just had I just it stayed that way, and I uh, really have not had don't have many things uh, that are not traditional English, and I also I've never have really liked bent pipes. I've only owned maybe thirty bent pipes in my entire life. I think I now have about five in my collection, and that uh, five or six, and that's it. <laughs> Is there a dimension or a measurement that a pipe has to have in order for you to, to buy it? I mean, does it have to be a certain length or height or, you know, ball no, it's, size? It's, 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 I really kind of look at it that it needs to be at least, uh, I, I don't really know the measurements, to tell you the truth, Brian, but it, uh, I look at them and they it has to appeal to me. And it's got to be, a, basically, I don't think I've ever bought anything other than some old barlings that have been smaller than uh, a, uh, a group five. Now, some of the barlings, as you know, uh, I do have some giant barlings, but most of the barlings, even the, the large barlings, the EXEXELs, basically are not quite pushing a group five. And I have a lot of EXEXELs and, uh, and, and, and love them. In fact, uh, if I would have to say, if I would, uh, as much as I love my Ashtons and I love my Dunhills and I love my Sheratons, uh, if I had to give up anything, I would not give up my Barlings. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the I mean those big Barlings are few and far between, so you have, you have to keep searching for them. Right, especially if you're trying to search for. Uh, a lot of the Barlings are very much similar. So if you're trying to search for something that's a little different, or put a little, a little uh, change in your uh, collection, uh, like if you really wanted a, uh, a quaint, or some of the uh, some of the fossils that are a little different, you do have to search for them quite a bit, and that's where, uh, very fortunately enough, I got involved in the pipe show shows, and that's where I've done picked up most of my barlings, or at pipe shows. Now, before we go to the break, uh, one of your your Ashton Magnum, which you know probably has like a three inch high bowl, and uh, how long will it take you to smoke one of those? You know, I'm a I'm a pretty slow smoker, and I will smoke. And I very fortunately, I was taught how to smoke well. I will smoke down to absolutely nothing in the bowl except for white ash. And uh, if I filled if I filled up one of my larger magnums and smoked it, I would probably be looking at two and a half to three hours wow. of constant smoking. Um, and in uh, fact, I can tell you that on many occasions, going to pipe shows with uh, some friends of mine, we when we're driving, I've uh, I've driven from here to uh, to Columbus, Ohio, and basically it smoke two pipes 
the whole way and was smoking the whole time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the only reason I'm laughing at you is because I know for, you know, for me, that seven and a half, eight hour drive, I know that that's at least three pipes. And, you know, like you, I, I'm not going to puff on it constantly, but, uh, you know, I'm going to have a pipe that's going most of the drive. Um, you know, but I'll set it down for a while and, and then pick it back up. So, <laughs> but, well, I don't want to, you know, you want to get into this now or not, but I can tell you a related funny story. I was driving yeah. to Columbus, uh, with a friend of both you, you and you and I, uh, a Trent McCraney, yep. <laughs> and uh, I had loaded my pipe up with pure Latakia. Oh, God. I mean, absolutely a, not a blend, just absolutely. It was an old, old uh, McConnell Latakia that I'd been given, and I loaded it up, and I started out from Charlotte, and uh, when we got past uh, Charleston uh, and got up above Charleston, we stopped to get gas, and when we stopped to get gas, the pipe went out. And uh, about that same time, and the gentleman I was with, Trent McCraney, just said, I've been waiting for that thing to go out the whole time. <laughs> he goes, uh, Trent is not a Latakia smoker, nor does he. And you have to, Latakia has a very distinct odor, so you have to bear with it if someone's smoking it. <laughs> yeah, open the window and throw that person out it. Uh, um, anyway, uh, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more with Gibbs. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Savinelli Pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Gib Robinson, who, uh, you know, usually I guess I see you about once a month. We run into each other here at McCraney's, but, uh, you know, usually it's just a quick moment here and there. And then at pipe shows, you know, you've been a, you've been a fixture of pipe shows for many, many years. What was the first pipe show you went to? The first pipe show I went to was the first, uh, was the first Columbus show, uh, was the first Richmond show. And wow. after the first Richmond show, uh, we had a pipe show here in Charlotte that I got involved with putting on called the Deep South Classic. And I, I was uh, part, of, part of the uh, people that put it on for about five or six, maybe seven years. And unfortunately, is uh, the unfortunate thing is that when you're trying to put that on, there's a lot of work to put one on. And when you are one of only one or two people that have an interest in it, uh, you, you burn out. Yeah. And basically, I burned out of it. And so, hence, I think uh, it, it lived about uh, two more years after I stepped out of a very active role in it. And uh, then it, it has ceased to exist. But the first bike show, I went to that, and I go to, I go to Richmond quite a bit, uh, which is if I have to 
talk about pipe shows, the old Richmond show was, is absolutely my favorite show, period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even more so than the, the Deep South Classic. And it's, it is not just the pipes. It is, in fact, it is very little the pipes. It's the camaraderie and the, the friends that you know and that you get to visit uh, that, 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 are, that are the big part of it. Uh, and I've been to the Chicago show since the first show. I uh, used to go to, uh, since the first one at Harvey. I uh, used to go to the Chicago <laughs> yeah. shows when it was at Harvey, which is, uh, quite frankly, if you've ever been to Harvey, uh, the police that are there guarding the show wearing bulletproof vests, you kind of wish you were too. It is not the most uh, safe place in the world. Uh, they since have moved to very nice places, although I really do miss the old Harvey show. And then I go to... Uh, uh, I've been to the Columbus show uh, probably uh, since uh, the early 80s, mid-80s. I started going to the Columbus show, and I've always gone to the Columbus show. I don't really, I've been to the New York show four or five times. I don't go back to the New York show so much anymore. It's not because I don't like the New York show. It's just because until recently, when American Airlines started in here, it was a... It had gotten to be a pain to get to the New York show because nothing flew into New York yeah. where the New York show was placed. So you would have to fly into LaGuardia and then figure a way to get to Newark from there. And I, that was just not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, I, I have been to the uh, St. Louis show a couple of times. Uh, I, like I say, I go to the Chicago show. I go to the Richmond show. I go to the columbus show now and i have been going to the vegas show which is a wonderful show since the start of it and we'll be going back again this year yes, uh, so really if i you know uh, until they really really start restarted the uh richmond show which i hope will become like the old richmond show was uh that uh the vegas show is now taken over as being one of my favorite shows I used to love the the, uh, the Chicago show, but it's gotten to be more of a. This may be a hard, uh, a hard uh, thought for some people. It's gotten to be more of a vendor show than a collector show. Yeah. When you used to go to yeah. when you used to go to Columbus, uh, to to Chicago, you saw collectors and you saw what they had on their tables. You looked at their tables, and that's where you started looking at things that you wanted to buy or things you wanted to add to your collection. And now the, when you go to the, uh, to, the, to the Chicago show, it is mostly vendors, people who are pipe makers. And I have quite a few very good friends that are pipe makers, but they're selling their wares. And, uh, and also uh, some of the uh, larger uh, uh, pipe line, people like the Peterson people are there. Uh, the uh, people that sell the Costellos are there and so forth. And so you don't really see a lot of estate. Uh, you don't see as many estate collections as you used to. The one right. thing that is so nice about the uh, Chicago show is that they always have a beautiful uh, exhibit uh, or a few exhibits when you come into the show of other people's collections. And it is, it is superb to be able to see those. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not as interested in some of the weird uh, 
pipe like uh, Trevor's pipes and such as that that are that are beautiful works of art, but they are not, in my opinion, <laughs> a smoking pipe. Yeah. Uh, so to speak not exactly a, not exactly as it's not exactly a straight billiard like you like it's not a straight billiard or a doublet or anything else yeah, yeah. you're right yeah. and a very dear friend of mine has a, a beautiful collection of very weird uh uh lord of the ring pipes of which i have zero all of their gorgeous and I know the pipe maker very well. He's a very dear friend of mine, but I have zero interest in even owning one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those are the shows I go to, uh, and that's how I got started in it. I was very fortunate that uh, I had some friends from the McCraney people that were very much into uh, the pipes. In fact, there was a, uh, uh, a gentleman that was a long-haul trucker that used to come into McCraney's all the time, and he was with me when I bought my first estate pipe. In fact, he took me by my hand, knowing that I liked Sheraton's. And he said, here, give this man $10. And I gave this man $10 to know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> and he said, now, come with me, pick that up. And I picked up this uh, billiard, no, Dublin, uh, off this table. It was a Sheraton. And he said, now, come over to this table and give this guy another $10. And he's going to uh, repair, the, uh, repair the shank and put a new bit on it for you. And so I had twenty dollars in that pipe, and it is a beautiful smoky pipe, and I still have it. So uh, the gentleman's name is Dick Janess. So I, he's he's since left us, uh, passed away. But uh, so I've gotten to uh, gotten handheld uh, through my first four or five shows uh, with people walking me around, introducing me to the uh, to other collectors. I've been I've been very fortunate. Uh, having met some wonderful collectors, uh, Basil Sullivan, Feldus Thompson, Essel James, you know, wonderful collectors, and uh, and had uh, done quite well uh, talking to them. And, and although a lot of those have passed away, I've been very much uh, consider them very much friends. What's so the I've made uh... a lot of friends through it? What's the most impressive collection of pipes you've ever seen? Believe it or not, the most, collection, uh, most impressive collection of pipes I've ever seen was a collection of billiards belonging to Tom McCraney. Yeah. <laughs> I know Tom McCraney quite well, knew him quite well. And, uh, I mean, he's still with us, but uh, he's out of pipes now. But I walked into the Chicago show knowing Tom only smoked LBS-shaped, which is a type of a, of a billiard that, Dublin, uh, that Dunhill made, LBS-shaped pipes. And I walked in and there was a uh, glass case full of, full of about 100, all LBSs. I mean, the if you had to, if you put them side by side and measured them out, they would all measure identical, but they were all different in the finish, uh, et cetera, of them and made by different makers. And it was just, well, that was probably the most impressive collection I've ever seen. <laughs> um, those old pipe shows, so uh, as I remember them, it was yeah, predominantly the, the collectors of the area or collectors from out of town would come, and they'd have some pipes that were just to show, and then they'd have some pipes that were available for trading or even possibly selling. Is that kind of how it was? Yeah, it used to be that exactly that way. You would 
people would bring uh, the creme of their crop uh, to the pipe show, put it out because they, you know, just like me, I have quite a few pipes that I would never part with, but I'm very proud of, and I like to have them out occasionally. You know, let them come out and play. <laughs> and so I bring them out. But then you would also bring other pipes that were uh, still great pipes, but maybe you had tired of it or something, and and people would be wanting to do it in trade. And it used to be very, very that was exactly the word you used, trade. It used to be a lot of times you walk into a pipe show or, believe it or not, the rooms where people were yeah. staying at the hotels and pipe shows and you would wind up having a drink with these people and talking to them, and they would have a pipe on. They would have a pipe that they were maybe not even thinking of selling, but you looked at it and you liked it and so forth, and and you knew what they smoked also, and you would look at your collection and say, "Well, John, I'll give you these two pipes for that pipe." So there'd be a lot of trading to be done, and that was that's almost disappeared. I won't say it's disappeared, but for the most part, it's disappeared. It's definitely gone down to quite to a much smaller uh, percentage of people that do it. And that was one of the most wonderful things about the thing about a pipe show is the camaraderie that, that comes out yep. with it. And that was one of the wonderful things for there. That's what is is missing or has dis- started to disappear. And I'm hoping it starts to come back. I am seeing it come back little by little. And I'm, I'm, that's what I hope will come back. Were there times when you had to engineer maybe a three-way deal because oh, yes. you had something? I can, and, yeah. I can tell you I've been involved with, with pipes where, uh, you know, Tigger to Chance, to, you know, type of thing where it was. <laughs> uh, I had a pipe that he wanted that he would, I didn't want anything he had, but. He had something that somebody else wanted. And I've had ones that have gone four and five ways uh, <laughs> in there to, 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 to happen. And, uh, and I hear you laughing. I'm not talking sexual appetite here, Brian. I'm talking about pipes. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm, just, la- I'm just laughing because I, I know you and I know some of the older collectors, and I can just imagine you know, the, these guys running around, the, running around the room of the pipe show saying, all right, well, he'll do this for that, and if you do this for that, and then going back and clearing that with that one, and then going back and somebody changes it. and <laughs> well, I would imagine I that was a lot of work. I'll, I will tell you the funny, the one of the funniest stories, and you've heard this before. Uh, I had a uh, there is a pipe maker out of Italy by the name of Tonino Giacomo, mm-hmm. and I bought a pipe from. Uh, and at one time, McCraney was the distributor, and a, a King Triple E, which was absolutely the the best pipes that he ever made. He only made five five of them. A King Triple E came into McCraney's, and I happened to be in there when it came in, and I loved it. It was it was just it was a Dublin, uh, bulldogish Dublin, uh, that was just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and I uh, was very fortunate that I was given a very good price on it, and I bought it. And I had it, and I smoked it, and I loved it. It smoked absolutely beautiful. Uh, and there was another collector uh, who you know, uh, Fred Hanna, yep. that fell in love with that pipe. And <laughs> every show, every show I ever saw Fred at, and he called me many times 
uh, when there wasn't a show, he wanted that pipe. I mean, it was just his uh, uh, his charter in life was to get that pipe, I think. And I told him, and he offered me way, and I spoke to him, he offered me way more money than I had paid for the pipe, you. And, uh, of course, as you know, the kind of the general rule of thumb is that once you put fire to a pipe, it loses 50% of its value. Yeah. And that's not always true, but that's kind of a general rule of thumb. And Fred had been after me for so long, and he kept on bugging me about it, and I felt I wanted, if it was going to go to somebody, I wanted it to go to Fred. Well, it happened that there was another uh, gentleman, Tom McCraney, actually, that had a old Atsley uh, that actually came out of the Sheraton factory. There's no way you could have said it didn't come out of the Sheraton factory. There would have been graded uh, a... Probably it was much better than any Supreme I've ever seen. It, it would probably it was much better than any coronation I'd ever seen. And I wanted that pipe. And so I think if it was graded by Sheridan, it would have graded coronation. And I wanted that pipe. And Tom wanted uh Tom was a very frugal man, and I'm trying to be very polite when I say this. <laughs> uh he still has the first dollar he ever saw in his life. But anyway, a very frugal man and he had a price on that pipe, and it was much more than I was willing to pay. Well, I finally, when Fred kept on on and on and on with me, I finally went to Fred, and I said, you go talk to Tom McCraney. If you can get that pipe for me, I'll give you the, the Tonino. So here we are, and this took about three shows for this to happen. Here we are. So you talk about pipes that, you know, trades go more, more uh, around the horn. This one definitely did. Now, I still have that that Astley, and uh, Fred still has that Tonino, and I absolutely love that Astley, and it's probably one of the top two or three pipes that I have in my collection, in my, in my idea. And if you had gone to Chicago when Fred Hanna had his pipes out, uh, all, straight, all straight grain pipes, uh, his Astley was his is number one or number two pipe in his collection. So we both came out ahead. I got a pipe that I love more than anything, and he got one that he loved more than anything. This is very nice when that happens. Now, I won't say that happens all the time, but yeah. that does happen occasionally. Yeah, and, you know, every once in a while, the uh, the teeter-totter isn't real balanced in some of those deals, but you hope you make it up on the next one. That's exactly what you do. Uh, and the other thing is, with with the older collectors and the collectors that have been around that have some reputation, uh, I will sell a pipe to someone or, or trade a pipe to someone at a show, and they know that if they get the pipe and they don't like it, then I'll make good. I mean, I will give them the, what, give them back uh, the trade or the money or whatever else. The whole idea is you don't want anyone to be dissatisfied with anything that comes out of a trade. And so we try to always uh, do that. They, uh, I sold a good gentleman of a pipe, a good friend of mine of pipe in Chicago about two or three years ago, and he wrote me back. He said, I don't like this uh, pipe, but you, you know, will. I said, sure. You know, and so that's the, you know, that's the whole idea. Uh, so uh, you always want to be upfront with everyone about anything. Uh, these, uh, no one's trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes about anything and, the, and uh, excuse me you hope no one's trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes and it's just like 
you go back to shows, uh, I have never, I've, I've taken many checks at shows. I've never had a bad check given to me. Now, I will admit that it's someone I don't know. I may go to, I may go to someone else who is normal. I say, is he good? And they say, yeah. And so it's fine. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, uh, we've gotten away from some of that, and I hope we get back toward that. Yeah. Do you remember when the uh, when when it kind of when the shows kind of transitioned into pipe makers and and more professional vendors kind of showing their wares? Yeah, I would say that really started to happen about fifteen years ago. Yeah. Uh, it really started to ha- uh, to happen that way. Now I, it's. Uh, uh, it's very good that it has happened, but it's very bad that it has happened because we got into some wonderful pipe makers uh, that weren't around back a while, young pipe makers that weren't around, and it's good to have them. I mean, uh, uh, a good a good, uh, a, a good example of that is I bought the first pipe that Michael Parks, a Canadian pipe maker, sold in the United States. Uh, I bought mm-hmm. the one from him, and... I, I I love the pipe, the, love the bowl of the thing, and I went up to him and I said, I told him, I said, Michael, I'll buy this from you, but I don't want that bit on it that you got on it because it's crap. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, it's shaped wrong, it doesn't taper correctly, and the material's bad. I said, if you make it out of, if you put a, a vulcanite uh, bit on it and you shape, you taper it properly, I want it. And he said, okay. He said, let me have the bit that was on the pipe, that, uh, on this pipe now, and I'll do that for you. And, and I did. And so it was wonderful to have met Michael via this, via that mechanism. And he's a dear friend of mine. I have quite a few of his pipes in my collection now. Uh, and another quick funny story about this is that when I was going to uh, New York, when I used to go to New York, I got on a shuttle bus that drove maybe... 15 minutes uh, from one place to the other to go to the pipe show. And I had met uh, a pipe maker from Vermont by the name of Jim Cook. Uh, (laughs) I met him one time before or a couple of times before. And I was saying hello to him and everything else. And he had eight pipes with him that he had brought up to sell. And then we're talking, this is before Jim Cook became as much of a household name as he is now in the pipe community but before that shuttle bus had gotten to the new york show he had sold the eight pipes <laughs> <laughs> they had all gone and uh it will also what does what also reflects in that is that some of these pipe makers will say and it's perfectly all right for them to say it and you want to have it they say okay i'll sell it to you but can i keep it on my table because yeah. they want to demonstrate what they can do so there are other people who won't, uh, who are looking for one of his, can get that. Now, and the fact that Jim, uh, Jim so so far sold out in, in the future, it doesn't really matter. But uh, other people are that way. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate. I have probably 20, 25 cooks in the collection, and they're wonderful, absolutely wonderful pipes, pipes that I would probably never desire to get rid of. I want to. Uh, so, I, I want to ask you some numbers, and you can, uh, and and you can not tell us the truth, or you can tell us the truth, or, or <laughs> the the options up to you. But uh, uh, how many pipes do you own now? 
I probably own 250 pikes now. At one time, I was probably up to 500 pikes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 68 now, and so I'm starting to, unless something absolutely trips my trigger, uh, like you joked at me about a Costello, and I used to have a lot of Costellos, maybe 70 or 80 Costellos. I now have maybe 15. But unless something absolutely trips my trigger, I don't, I'm not interested in it because I've got enough pipes. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to really trip my trigger before I, before I'll, I'll do that. Uh, so I probably have 250 pipes now. Uh, if you wanted to kind of break it down, I probably have 50, 50 to 60 gun hills, 25 cooks, probably 60 Sheratons. Uh, probably 25, uh, 25 to 25 to 30 barlings. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of where, uh, and then probably, uh, 25 to 30 Ashtons of, and, and about 15 to 20 Ashton Magnums in addition to that. Wow. Now I've let some of my Magnums go over recent years. I was up to about 30 Ashton Magnums at one time. I was built. Bill Taylor was a very dear friend of mine. All right. Now, what's, what is the most you've ever paid for a pipe? All right. Now we're getting in there. Yeah, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, the most I've ever paid for a new pipe yeah. was a pipe that you know very well. It was a long uh, a bamboo-shanked uh, Costello yeah. that I bought uh, just recently, a couple of years, a year and a half ago. And uh, and I paid uh, the pipe was selling. The pipe was marked for four thousand dollars, which means that the pipe shop probably paid two thousand dollars for it. Uh, you know, the guy had it in his inventory and wasn't moving it because you know, think about you don't have a whole big audience to want to spend four thousand dollars for a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, I I he I he offered it to me for three thousand. I said no. And uh, I walked. I walked away, and I came back to him. I said, "I tell you what, I'll give you two thousand more." And uh, we, this is in Vegas, actually. And we uh, last year, and we finally, he, he said, "No, I can't go that cheap." And I said, "Okay." And I walked away. And he, about uh, ten minutes later, he came tagged me on the shoulder and said, "Okay, I'll take that. I'll take the two thousand <laughs> if it's cash." I said, "All right." And so I gave him 2,000 cash. That's the most I've ever paid for a new pipe. Uh, uh, in fact, it's probably the most I've ever paid for a pipe, period. Now, what do you think is the one pipe in your collection that's worth the most? Uh, probably, if I want to read it, if I'm looking at what, how pipes are being resell so lately, I would, I would probably, I would love to say it was the Atsley that I talked about, but yeah. because it's Atsley, stepped Atsley and not Sheraton, your audience for that is going to be very small. It's going to have to be people that really know that Ats, that, uh, that Sheraton uh, made a lot of things for Atsley and a lot of things walked out of Sheraton in lunch boxes, so to speak, and, and, and went around. I would say the most expensive. Uh, Two pipes, one of which I really don't like, but uh, it was a, a gift, and so I'll probably never get rid of it. Is one of these uh, 
lacquered, uh, black lacquered uh, Japanese Dunhills. I don't oh. remember what the name of that is exactly. The you probably Na- know that better than I would. The Namiki but, uh, Dunhill. Excuse me? The Namiki Dunhill. Yes. And uh, they are going for, I think they're retailing for like six and seven and $10,000. Uh-huh. And I, a friend of mine gave me one of those. And so I'm very, very pleased with that, although it does not smoke well. uh, (laughs) but but it looks pretty doing it (laughs) but it does look pretty it does look pretty uh and i would say that other than that uh i have uh a couple of old uh 1930s 1920 vintage uh dunhill magnums that i would say probably have uh some value with them especially to a gentleman in New York who wants them so bad he could taste them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then also I would say that uh, other than that, uh, probably some of my Ashton Magnums, uh, which uh, are now going, and, and the price has changed quite a bit on yeah. those. Uh, the Ashton Magnums were selling for new $2,000. So you would think they'd be selling for used a thousand dollars. Well, they're not being made anymore, so you would hope they would be going up. But the value, the the uh, market on uh, large ash magnums has actually fallen quite a bit. Uh, they're probably more in the eight hundred dollar range now, depending on which the particular piece. Is the general idea. Uh, so, if you ask me what the most expensive pipe I have, it's probably that Dunhill. <laughs> Gib, we'll wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. What is your favorite pipe? Oh, barley. What is your favorite tobacco? Oh, uh, uh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Uh, my favorite tobacco is obviously a lot of Kia blend, and my favorite tobacco was, uh, 5110 by McClellan, okay, which was called, the uh, place I bought it at, it was, uh, bought it, it was called St. Albans Best. Uh, it's no longer available. Uh, I smoke a lot of the, I'm starting to smoke a lot of the uh, uh, stuff that's coming out of peace that mm-hmm. I originally didn't, the one that I didn't like it is just that I liked the McClellan blend so much. Uh, but I'm starting to smoke a lot of the stuff coming out of peace because I, I can, can find it. Uh, some of the, oh, I, I'm very, very fortunate that I have maybe 30 or 40 cans of old, some old Robert McConnell. Uh, when I say old, I mean they're 40, 50 years old. Yeah. And when I open a can of it, it's it's, it's a lovely, uh, lovely feeling. And then also... Uh, going back to uh, to McClellan, I have maybe I'm very fortunate that I have about 30 or 40 cans of, this, of a very rare uh, McClellan called Old Syrian that uh, I love quite a bit. It was it was uh, basically a straight Syrian, <clears throat> a very heavily uh, a mixture of Syrian Latakia, and there is a distinct difference between Syrian Latakia and uh, Cyprian Latakia. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, I hate that people haven't had a chance to do a taste it, uh, good Syrian Latakia. Because yeah. there's nothing wrong with, with Cyprian Latakia, but, but there's a distinct difference. 
between the two. What is Does that your question? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? Oh, scotch. Single malt scotch. Specifically Lagavulin. Although I've now started drinking a lot of what's called Octomore, which is another Isle of Malt scotch. I'm, I'm, I like the west coast of Scotland uh, rather than the east coast of Scotland. I don't really particularly care for Macallum or Glenlivet, uh, such as that. I like the Lagavulin, the Lothar, the, the Juras of the world. Uh, a lot more peaty, a lot heavier taste. It's, it's kind of like the difference between people that smoke Virginia and people that smoke a lot of Kia blend. Uh, there's just, I, I find a lot of similarities to that. Yeah, some of us have taste, and you Latakia smokers don't. Um, well, I think the exact opposite. <laughs> That's all right. I think you people that, drink, that smoke straight Virginia will eventually – grow up and understand what the tobacco is supposed to taste like no that's okay <laughs> um when it's when it's time to relax do you prefer a book a movie or music uh it's kind of relaxed probably music and followed by a book movies i like but i'm not uh that's not my uh drug of choice for relaxing <laughs> and then finally do you have a, a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about I think it goes all, yeah, I will tell you, uh, we were at a show in Columbus, Ohio, and there was a gentleman who is, I don't think has passed away, but he's out of the pipe smoking uh, business at this time. Uh, well, two gentlemen, actually. One was named Rich Edwards, who was a character. I mean, the gentleman <laughs> yeah. does pipe shows and wear a gorilla mask behind, <laughs> his, behind his table a lot of times, and uh, he and a few other people and, a, and, a, and another wonderful guy, absolutely superb gentleman by the name of, of uh, Roger Smith. And also uh, it happened that uh, Feathers Thompson and Basil Sullivan were there, too. We were all in a room. In fact, it was my room. And it got to be uh, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and we were drinking port wine, and it was loud. And I finally hit about <laughs> 2 o'clock. I finally had to say, guys, you guys need to get out of here. Because, A, it's too loud, and B, I need to sleep. <laughs> and the next morning when I woke out, when I walked out, uh, these two lovely young, older women, I mean, they had to be uh, 20 years my senior, 25 years, 25, 30 years my senior, were walking down the hall, and they said, they turned to me and said, you guys had a good time last night. <laughs> and I, I, I apologized to him a little bit. He said, no, it wasn't that bad. But in the room, it was loud. It was a general idea. But I guess that was the, you know, one of the funnier stories that this, that this happened. Gib, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, if you if you see, you'll see Gib. Gib's about six foot four by, I don't know, four foot four. Um, walking around the, uh, the Chicago pipe show, usually with a big pipe. Say hi to him and... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there over the weekend, and uh, this is this is actually a great way to get everybody ramped up for going to a pipe show. So thanks for coming yeah. on. Thank you very much for having me. And we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. 
But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back, and I told you, Gib can tell a story. And uh, if you run into him at the pipe show, ask him for another story. He'll tell you. All right, for music, uh, we're going back to Dean Martin. And as I said with the JDRF auctions, you know how I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Well, here's Dean Martin singing from the bottom of my heart. From the bottom of my heart, dear, I love you Even though you broke my heart, I still love you What more can I say since you went away? I just couldn't hide my pride Truly, dear Oh, how I cry From the bottom of my heart, dear, I miss you I would give my very soul just to kiss you Please come back to me, hold me tenderly Take me in your heart again be mine, my love, forever. Dame, dame, dame tanto amore. Fame, fame, fame questo. Dolce come tu e la gioventù Primavera sei per me Viene su Fame sapere Dame, dame solo un po' di speranze Un bacin da te per me bastante Ma se nel tuo corpo trovo ancora un po' più d'amor Amor, be mine, my love And I promise I'll never leave you and I'll never break your heart. Check your mailbox, you moron! 
in the mailbag. Remember, comments or questions, you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Follow me on Facebook and uh, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook, or you can post them on pipesmagazine.com on the radio show page, and I'll read them here. And apparently, uh, a lot of people are traveling right now because we have two comments over the last two weeks. And going back to show 344 with Dal, uh, Casey Ghost is <laughs> says, good advice on uh, pipe parts. We should all try it sometime. And he's talking about, uh, you know, breaking up the routine. Uh, good interview with Dal. Guess I'd like to know why he went to Bulgaria for this kind of work when we have plenty of it right here at home. Um, I, I do know that answer. Uh, he went to Bulgaria for that kind of work because that's where it was needed, and we've got a lot of people doing it here at home too, but it's a little trickier here. Um, and then he said, I would like to have heard you on Country Squire, but I listen to these podcasts on my Android phone, and their upload to Stitcher just didn't work. Um, don't know what to say about that. And then uh, going to last week's show with Jeff Tomei, uh, Dan says... The Rattray's reading was pretty good from that old pamphlet. Uh, Jeff's interview was quite informative. I think he will regret establishing his customers as good and not quite as good. Those on the outside looking in are going to have a problem with this policy. <laughs> the duck was quacking on the music. Um, you know what? But the, here's the thing about, uh, about you know, the good and not quite as good. Um, every business does that. Everyone uh, hotels, airlines, uh, you know, uh, grocery stores. The more you work with them, the more they work with you because you become more valuable to them. And that is everywhere out there. Uh, the more you shop at certain places, the more discounts and promotions they'll throw at you. Uh, the more I work with certain cruise lines, the more they work with me. It's just the way it is. It's not saying that somebody is good or not as good it's just saying that you've got a better relationship with some customers uh, and then like i said earlier itunes rating or reviews well here's one from uh argentina i believe and it says great show a plus is that if english is not your mother tongue brian's dictation is absolutely clear so you can enjoy the show completely and he is a great interviewer always asking again if something is not clear and keeping interest up i hope to meet you in chicago and have a conversation all the best claudio and uh, yeah claudio uh, you know thanks for uh, thanks for sending me that thanks for posting it and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing claudio this weekend and uh Oh, from uh, Buenos Aires, from, uh, yeah, there, from, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, again, if you've got any, uh, any out-of-the-country iTunes rating or reviews, that would be great. All right, enough of that. Rant time next. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. Mm-hmm. 
I may have mentioned in the recent past that I now have prescription progressive glasses. Yeah, you know those ones where you see far away up high and in the middle you see near and then down at the bottom you see close by. Well, they really screwed with my pipe smoking because if I have any kind of a bowl that is bent, I can't see it. It's right in the really close up part and I can't see it. So I'm having to look up and look around and twist. If I have a straight pipe, I can hold it up and I can get to the point where I can see it easily. But if I have a bent pipe, it's down there and I'm finding myself, you know, hitting my lighter on the pipe or on the side of the bowl or trying to figure out where exactly the bowl is. Uh, it, you know, the, the progressive lenses, it's taking some time. I've had them on for, I guess, a, I don't know, about five weeks now, maybe. And I'm getting them figured out, but it's still making literally, you know, just a bent pipe or some, or a pipe where the bowl is equal to the stem. It's making it hard to see where it is. So I'm having to relearn how to smoke a pipe with these progressive lenses on. And that goes back to breaking habits that I talked about before. Yeah, I've got to retrain myself. And if I don't think about it, it works better than if I do think about it. So, you know, again, as life goes on, life throws you changes and uh, that's all there is to it. All right. I keep trying to make these shows under an hour and they keep running longer and longer. So um, looking forward to seeing a lot of you at the Chicago Pipe Show. I'll be, uh, you know, get there as soon as I can on Saturday and I'll be hanging out in the tent and on the show floor all day Saturday and Sunday and looking forward to, uh, you know, just getting a chance to see everybody and hang out and have a have a, a couple of good pipes and sit down and have some great conversations. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank give, thank you to Gib Robinson for joining me. And bomba until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather Return of Kevin Godby, wine sales have now returned to normal in Paris.